0: Today, we begin a new series of messages, a three part series entitled The Close of Probation. And we'll be looking at three different passages of Scripture relating to this topic. And when you think of the term probation, it is not typically thought of in a positive context. You think of a probation officer or being on probation. But in a biblical sense, the term probation refers to, according to this World Book Dictionary, it states that probation is the general doctrine of religion that our present life is a state of probation for a future one. It's a temporary status before a permanent status. The word probation comes from the Latin word probare, which means to test. And it's a temporary time in which we have the opportunity to choose, praise the Lord, our eternal destiny. I want to have us think a little bit this morning before we go into our passage. None of us in this room, to the best of my knowledge, chose to be born. Anyone here chose to be born? All right. It's kind of philosophical in the sense that we just arrive. We didn't choose to be born. Uh, We didn't choose our parents, right? I didn't. Uh, We didn't choose the country we would be born in. We didn't even choose the era we were born. We just arrive on this scene because of someone else's choice. Isn't that right? our parents' choice, and we just arrive, and we don't choose our ethnicity, we don't choose our genes, we we just arrive on this scene because of someone else's choice, and uh, that someone else was there because of someone else's choice, and you can go all the way back to Adam, and we are in this fix, in this, quote, mess, because of someone else's decision, ultimately Adam's decision. We're just born and we are placed in a state of probation. By the way, probation is actually a positive thing because if it wasn't for Jesus Christ, we would have no probation. We would have no choice. We would have no option. And it's because of grace that we even have this time the Bible calls probation or the Bible implies a time of probation, a temporary status in which we can choose our eternal status. H.M. Riggle says, everywhere the scriptures teach that in time and life, man is on probation with the power to choose eternal life or eternal death. This is the concept that the Bible presents. This life is a time we get to choose our eternal destination. I would argue here this morning that this is the most important decision that you could ever make in this life. I've used the analogy before, let's say that Bill Gates gives you a penny, and he says, depending on how or what you choose to do with this penny, I will give you a billion dollars. God gives us a penny, a probationary life, and depending upon our choice, we get to determine our eternal destination. This is the concept of probation. This is the concept that the Bible presents of a temporary status in which we get to determine our eternal destination. It's important for us to recognize this because it helps us to recognize what we are to do and what we are to choose in this life. And so we're going to be building throughout this series as we move forward. Probation is grace given by the Lord Jesus. If it wasn't for Him, we would have no probation at all. And I want to invite you to go in our Bibles as we lay the foundation here this morning to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, page 1347 in the Bible that has been provided for you there in the pew in front of you, thirteen forty. 74, 1374, here Paul is writing to the Hebrews, and he's quoting from Psalms 95. Matter of fact, he quotes this several times here in Scripture, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, therefore, as the, what does your Bible say? As the Holy Spirit says, the Holy Spirit is An entity, one of the Godhead. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness. He quotes this psalm. I want to make a few other observations here. Go to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 15 there in your Bible. We've just read Hebrews 3, verse 7 and 8. Hebrews 3, verse 15, it says, While it is said, Today if you hear his voice, Have you heard this before? It says, Today if you hear his voice, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Let's go to our scripture reading. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. I'm sorry, that's a typo. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. Again, as he designates a certain day in David, today after such a long time as it has been said, today if you hear his voice, what does it say? Do not harden your hearts. I have this here on the screen for your convenience. Paul repeats this phrase, this quote from Psalms 95, not one time, not two times, but three times. He says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I'd like to make a few observations this morning before we get to our thesis. It says, today, if you hear his, it's in capitals in your Bible, if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts have you ever heard God speaking to you? Not in an audible voice, but your conscience. Uh, here's a passage that is quoted many times in reference to the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 6, verse 18, it says, and when He, the Holy Spirit, comes, He will convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. When your conscience is pricked, when you feel, uh, I need to make this thing right, I need to apologize, I need to make a stand for truth, you feel guilty, that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart. That's grace. That's when God is speaking to you. This is what the Bible is referring to. It says, today, if you hear His voice, the Bible tells us the time that we are to respond to the Holy Spirit's leading. It's not tomorrow, It's not three days from now. The Bible establishes and repeats this concept of today. Today. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The Bible also tells us why we are to respond to God's call today. Because it says that if you don't respond today, we are in danger of hardening our heart. Now, what does this mean to harden our hearts? Is this talking about heart disease or ulterior you know, the clogging of our arteries? This is a figure of speech. Uh, I use the illustration of cement, and it's actually in our definition here the definition of harden to become firm or solid, to solidify, to become set, to calcify to make inflexible or unchangeable, to become cemented. This is the definition of harden. If you look it up in the original language, this is what harden means, to become firm or solid, to solidify, to become set, to calcify, or to become cemented. When you work with concrete, I had a little bit of experience in this regard. I am not uh, physically gifted in with my hands. I tend to get hurt uh, a lot. But when I was in academy, I did work with cement a little bit, and I was fascinated when I went on this mission trip because I had to uh, build a wall with cement and so forth. They later found out that I built it crooked, so they had to tear it all down. But the thing about cement is that there is a certain stage in cement in which it goes through this process as the cement reacts with the air and starts to dry, and with carbon dioxide, it starts to go through this process where it is very malleable. You can shape it, you can form it, but after a period of time, it passes that period in which it can be no longer shaped anymore. It starts to harden. It starts to solidify. It is no longer moldable anymore. This is the implication that the Bible gives in regards to the state of our human nature and our character. So here is the interaction. I've tried to come up with a shape that would help us to understand this. So here we have God. He is unchanging, always calling, amen, always reaching out, always trying to save. He's in this unchanging state. But the problem is, what? I'm changing. This is the reality that the Bible presents. It says, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. The Bible did not say, respond today when God calls, because tomorrow God may not be calling. That's not what the Bible is saying at all. The reality of this passage is that God is always calling. He's always trying to save us. He will never try, stop trying to save us. But there's something that happens in our human character when we say no, or if we push things off, or we fail to respond, or we do not respond. The Bible says that we go through this process of hardening, of calcifying, of changing, I would contend here this morning that every time you have to make a spiritual decision, that every time you make that spiritual decision, you change. You are not the same before the decision as after the decision. And what the Bible is implying here is that when God extends to you grace and He says, David, I'm trying to reach you, I'm trying to call out to you, I'm trying to save you, and I say, no, that tomorrow... I'm less likely to respond tomorrow. This is the reality of what this passage is saying. You need to respond today because tomorrow you will have less capability of responding. Not that God has changed, but that we have changed. This is the reality of what happens in our human nature. I like to look at another verse. It says, today if you what? Hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts. And I phrased it and summarized it in this way. Put him off today. Hear him less tomorrow. Put him off today. Hear him less tomorrow. A couple weeks ago, I talked about my habit of stealing. And it was fascinating, the progression that happened. In the beginning, I remember I stole a matchbox car from my friend. Went to bed that night. I couldn't sleep. My conscience was bothering me. It was a matchbox car. But then I just started to steal some more. Stole boxes of ice cream. And then I went to bed that night, and it started to bother me a little bit, but uh, it didn't bother me as much. And then I started going down the path to the point I started stealing very big things, and I, sleep, I would sleep like a baby that night. What happened? Was the Holy Spirit not calling? Oh, you better believe he was calling. The problem was I was hardening. I was becoming desensitized, less respect, uh, receptive to the Spirit's voice. Put him off today, hear him less tomorrow. You know, this is the issue. When someone is hard of hearing, The issue is that there's no long, you know, it's not as if there was a sound vacuum. There's no more sound anymore. The the issue is that the man's ability to hear has been affected. And this is the issue when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Our hearing becomes less and less receptive to the Spirit's call. As we move on, this is from Review and Herald, 1886. Listen to this if the voice of jesus is not heeded at once it becomes confused in the mind with a multitude of other voices the world's cares and business engross the attention and the conviction what dies away i can't tell you how many bible studies i've been in and the person is convicted they know they need to take a stand and it's in that moment you see all the signs of conviction But they say, you know what? I'm not going to act today. Then I have the study next week. And you know what? It's dramatic, the change that happens. Just the action of saying, look, I'm not going to act today. I'm going to put it off the next week. You know what? They are in a different framework. They're in a different mindset. They no longer have the ability to act as they did before. And they say, you know what? I don't even see the validity of this anymore. They've changed. Not that God is not calling, but that the heart has become hardened. It's not that it's impossible, but it's more difficult. It says the conviction dies away. The heart becomes less impressible and lapses into a perilous unconsciousness of the shortness of time and of the great eternity beyond. We become desensitized to the Holy Spirit, immune as it was. God is always calling. The issue is that I'm always changing closer to God or further away from Him. And it's a progression. I don't want anyone to misunderstand me here this morning. This does not happen overnight. It is a drawn-out process, and it goes kind of like this. God calls, we don't respond. As a result, we become hardened. God calls again, we don't respond. As a result, we become more hardened. And it goes on and on until our characters become set. Our characters become cemented as it was. Not that we no longer have the ability to choose anymore. It's that I just don't care anymore. We get to the place where we actually don't care. Some people ask, you know, how do I know if I've committed the unpardonable sin? I would say if you're worried and asking that question, you likely haven't. That's right. Because the person that hasn't committed the unpardonable sin has gotten to the place where their character has become so cemented that a lifestyle of saying no to God has calcified, has hardened their condition, that they just don't care anymore. I would even contend here this morning that the devil has gone through a lifestyle of transgression against God, a pattern, a characteristic of change and transformation, that his character has become set, that he just doesn't care anymore. He is beyond the reach of God's voice because he has become desensitized to his voice. I just don't care anymore. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, Paul writes about a certain group of people, and notice the language that he uses here. It says, whose consciences have been what? Seared with a hot iron. This is a metaphor that Paul uses to describe individuals that have said no and no and no to the Holy Spirit to the place that their consciences have become seared as a hot iron. They just don't care anymore. And this is the reality of what I believe about the nature of the close of probation. Some people have this misconception that God's up there and He just closes probation on people. He says, Oh, it's over for you, it's over for you. He just shuts the door on individuals when if they were just been given a little bit more time, they would have been saved. That is not the reality at all. The reality of the nature of our humanity and the way that God has framed us is that God does not close probation on us, we close probation on ourselves. This is the reality. We say no to God, we say no to God, and with every no, we become more entrenched in our position to the point that we become set in our position that we just don't care anymore. This is the reality. God does not close probation on us. We ultimately close it on ourselves. This is actually very... uh, Hopeful in that regard, in that within your free will, your power of choice, you can determine your eternal destiny. Praise God for that. There's other religions out there, other denominations believe that God picks people to be saved and to be lost. The Bible states that every person, every person in this room, has the ability to choose where you will spend eternity. Praise the Lord for that. I'd like to extend our time into the future as we look at the millennium. This is an artist's depiction of the time period after the millennium, after the thousand years. The new Jerusalem comes down from heaven. It comes upon the earth, The righteous are inside the city, and the Bible states in Revelation chapter 20 that this is the first time and the only time in earth's history that every single person that ever existed will be present. There'll be a great resurrection. The people outside the city are the individuals that are lost. The people inside the city are the individuals that are saved. And there's going to be this big confrontation between the lost and the saved here at the New Jerusalem. There are transparent walls. You can see through them. This is going to be a profound and powerful moment in human history. Now, for those individuals that come up outside the city if I was outside the city, I would think that in my mind, it's hard for me to even imagine this because I want to be inside the city, but imagine that if I got up on on the outside of the city and I'm saying, oh, I'm on the wrong side, and I see Jesus inside the city, you would think that what I would say would be, Lord, um, please, uh, a little bit more probation. Isn't that what you would ask? Uh, At least that's what I would ask. I would say, Lord Jesus, I'm on the wrong side, but uh, you, you cut it too short. You know, if I just had a little bit more time, I would have made the right decision. I'd be inside the city, not outside the city. Lord, you need to give me more time, more probation. You would think that that would be the reaction. But notice the reaction of the individuals that are outside the city. They know that they're lost. They know that they're on the wrong side. They're not asking for an extension of their probation. Notice what they do. Revelation chapter 20, verse 9. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city the reality is that the individuals outside the city even in the face of being on the wrong side say you know what i'm going to take the city meaning that their decision was their final decision meaning That even if God were to extend probation for another thousand years, every person outside the city would still make the same choice. Their characters have become cemented. Their characters have become hardened. And they are set in their ways so how do we apply this to us today one application is when you hear that still small voice within you and we've heard this before I hear it every single day David you need to make, you need to make this stand you need to apologize you need to follow this biblical truth that when you hear his voice you say Lord help me to follow Isn't that your desire here today? Say, Lord Jesus, help me to follow. I want to go in a trajectory, a path of being more like Jesus every single day. I don't want my heart to be hardened. Steps to Christ, page 31. If you see your sinfulness, what does it say? Do not what? Do not wait. Don't say tomorrow. If you see your sinfulness, do not wait to make yourself better. How many there are who think they are not good enough to come to Christ? Do you expect to become better through your own efforts? This is help for us. There is help for us only in God. We must not wait for stronger persuasions, for better opportunities, or for holier tempers. We can do nothing of ourselves. We must come to Christ just as we are. There is something that God will never override, and that is your personal choice. And the choice that God wants us to say today is, Lord, I am willing. Help me to be willing. I desire to follow Your will, but I'm weak, and Lord, I need help today. I want to invite you to stand with me as we prepare to pray and close here this morning every head bowed and eyes closed. I want to make a simple appeal here this morning. And this is a very specific appeal. This is not a general appeal. But if you've heard the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart for the past few weeks, for the past few months, and uh, there's a decision that God is calling you to make, I don't know what it is. Perhaps it's a decision to witness to your neighbor. Perhaps it's a decision to use your spiritual gifts for the building up of God's church. Perhaps it's a decision to make things right. Perhaps it's a decision to surrender an area of your life to God, and you've been struggling here this morning, and you want to say, Lord Jesus, I don't want my heart to grow hard. I know that you're always calling, but today I want to surrender this area of my life to you. I'm willing. Help me to be willing that's your design. I want to invite you to come forward this morning for special prayer. The Lord knows what that area of your life is, and He can give you the victory. And you want to say, Lord, I want to respond to the Spirit's call here this morning. I want to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to come to you. I want to respond to your Spirit's voice. I'm tired of saying tomorrow. I want to respond today because tomorrow, i have less ability to respond. Lord Jesus, soften my heart. If that's your desire. I invite you to come forward here this morning for special prayer. The Lord knows your heart. The Lord knows your struggles. The Lord knows our incapability. But He is able to deliver. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come to Jesus just the way that we are. We thank you that you are always calling, that you are always trying to save. We thank you also for this time of probation that you've granted to us, this limited time, this temporary status in which we can choose our eternal status. I pray that you'd bless every person that's come forward here this morning. You know the area of their life that you have Calling them to decide on. You know, the area of their life that they've perhaps been struggling with, and I just pray today that you would help us to be willing to be made willing. Do for us what we're incapable of doing for ourselves. We've come to you surrendering this area of our life, and we thank you that you turn no person away. I thank you for the individuals that have responded to you, to your voice today. And I pray that you would work in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. And when you come in the clouds of glory, may we be found faithful because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse,